Christ's journey. Would you repeat after me? Nothing is too hard for God. Okay, take a deep breath, sit up a little bit, speak your faith. Here we go, one more time. Nothing is too hard for God. Okay, now those of you at home, church online, you need to be joining us in this. We want to hear you too. And so this time, I just want you to look at a neighbor, a friend, somebody around you, and let's say it to one another, okay? Nothing is too hard for God. Go. You know, we need this encouragement because life is hard, but nothing is too hard for God. And that's what we're holding on to today. And I do have some, uh, that's happy news for a happy new year, isn't it? Nothing is too hard for God. Here's some more happy news. The Zoning Appeals Board granted our proposal request. We want to say, so stay tuned. We'll be getting more information to you later, but I'm offering that today just to say thank you, Lord. Answer prayer. 2023, God is, is answering prayer. Nothing is too hard for God. Now, last fall, we did a little thing on social. We invited our church family to just weigh in. If there were questions or concerns or topics or issues that were of interest to you that you wanted to learn more about, and then those topics came in, I put them in a list, I prayerfully sorted them out, and I selected eight of those questions, and they became this series, Asking for a friend. Over the next few weeks, we'll be exploring answers to some pretty tough questions. Today's a tough question. So you may hear some hard things as well as I try to step in to a hard place to bring some insight from Jesus and God's Word. Our church's purpose is we are here to help people find and follow Jesus. So we're going to open our minds, open our Bibles, and take a look through the lens of Jesus into some of these issues. And by the way, we're also inviting this month as part of this series experience, um, we're hosting Christian scholars from the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics. Saturday, January 21st, it's a one-day workshop. They're also going to be dealing with questions about film and media, cancel culture, LGBTQ, gender, human identity. If you haven't registered yet, then you can do that through the Christ Journey app. There's a very minimal fee. I think you'll agree it's minimal, but I am so thankful for the underwriting that has allowed us to bring this caliber of event with this level of scholarship into the culture that we share in Miami. So, and, and the last time I spoke to uh, one of the speakers, they said, you know, we're still seeking questions. So if you have questions that you would like to drop into the pot for that workshop day, then you can go to Got Questions. You just text QUESTION to 786 786-610-1010. You want to bring it up on the screen, please? And if you've got a question that you'd like to be included, then you can do that and then join us in that, okay? Um, we are building already on the foundational questions that have been answered in previous series about how do I know I can trust the Bible? Or how do I know that Jesus is who he claimed to be? How do we know that Jesus is God? Those are basic apologetic questions. This series in particular is focusing on cultural issues. Issues that many find to be barriers for following Christ that are rising up in culture. Issues around diversity, equity, inclusion. Issues around freedom of choice, human dignity, life and death. How do we treat people? How do we treat the earth? That's what this series is looking. So we're opening our Bibles and the life of Jesus to ask questions like this. 
Is Christianity harmful? That's today's question. What would Jesus do with racism? What am I worth and why? How can we be caretakers of creation? How would Jesus respond to abortion? What will heaven be like? What happens when we die? What can believers do about depression and mental illness? It's going to be a challenging series. Been working on it for a while. Still working on it as we go. Enlightening series. But today our question is simply this. Is Christianity harmful? Now you may not have ever asked that question, especially if you... uh, are familiar with the inside of buildings like this. On the other hand, if you're familiar with the inside of Christian workings, that may be exactly how you could know the answer to that question. Is Christianity dangerous? Today, the, presum- the, the question of culture used to be, is Christianity relevant? Does it even matter? Today, the question, the presumption seems to be, is Christianity harmful, dangerous to human beings? There's a group of authors known as the New atheists who are popularizing the claim. Richard Dawkins is one of them in his article, Viruses of the Mind. He calls religion the root of all evil. The subtitle to Christopher Hitchens' book, another one of the new atheists, uh, God is Not Great, says this, religion poisons everything. And then Sam Harris says that science must destroy religion. And he's wanting it opposed as actively and as strongly as possible. Why? Well, if we were to congeal it down, part of the heart of it gets to the question of biblical morality. That is felt to be a threat to society. And potentially dangerous. Psychiatrist Robert Cole is a professor emeritus from Harvard University. He wrote this, quote, The secular mind in the past lived side by side with spiritual interests and the yearnings of millions. A sacred mind. Secular mind, sacred mind, sharing the same public space, so to speak. And then he said this, In recent centuries, the secular mind has experienced a transformation. Once an alternative to entrenched religious life... That secularity became an aspect of individualism. As societies became less dominated by church life, more capitalistic in nature, more consumeristic in nature, secularism is now seen as a part of radical personal individualism. That's what matters most in culture. Who am I as an individual and that rising up on top? And so what the new atheists are saying, that that secularism is now vying for control over religion to help save people from it. We need to be saved from religion. That's the text. So here's the question. Is Christianity dangerous? How do you answer that? Is it harmful to people? Would you be surprised if I told you Jesus said, yes, it can be. Would that surprise you? If Jesus, to hear that Jesus said, yeah, uh, it sure can be. In the Sermon on the Mount, one of his first public talks, this is what Jesus said. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And you will recognize them not by what they say or how they look. You'll recognize them by what they do, their fruit. So you got to be fruit inspector, right? Verse 21, not everyone, this is Jesus, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
Many will say to me in that day, that judgment day, Jesus says, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy, preach in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles, and then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoer. That's a hard truth, isn't it? Is Christianity harmful? Religious people using Jesus' name. This is what Jesus is talking about. See, we want to listen to Jesus through the Bible. And Jesus said there are going to be people who use his name who claim to be super pious. Lord, Lord. You know, one Lord isn't enough. They're double lorders. You know, they want everybody to know, oh, Lord, Lord. And they say, super pious. And Jesus says this is going to be a rude awakening for them at judgment. It's not going to turn out the way they imagine. In Matthew 23, he addresses the similar group. He makes the most scathing, this is Jesus talking, the most scathing judgment ever on Bible teachers. Bible teachers at the time who were all about appearances. On the outside, they wanted to appear super righteous. They keep the rules. They follow the traditions. It was like their spiritual PC. And they were lining right up to it. And Jesus calls them, you blind fools. You don't even see. You're, you're, you hypocrites. You're faking it. And your snakes underneath the hypocrisy are harmful. Dangerous. You don't want to be those guys. And I'm telling you, if you do what I do, then I'm listening to Jesus saying, I don't want to be like that, Lord. I don't want to be those guys. You're clean on the outside of the cup and the dish. You don't leave either part of your, <laughs> the cup and the dish. Oh, yeah, it's all, I'm all over it. But inside, you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You're like whitewashed tombs. Can you imagine? This is Jesus talking. You're like a gravesite that's been painted over. It's all white on the outside, but on the inside, you got dead man's bones. Something is rotten, and everything is unclean. On the outside, this is Jesus talking. On the outside, you appear to be righteous, but on the inside, you're so full of hypocrisy wickedness. Does that sound harmful? Does that sound dangerous to you? I believe Jesus said, yeah, religion in my name could be dangerous to people. Matthew 23, he backs, he unloads a truckload, a perfect truckload of judgment. There's seven woes, seven the perfect number. Jesus said, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. He backs up this truckload of judgment, beep, 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 and then he dumps it and he tops it all off with verse 33. You brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? You're going to bust hell wide open and you don't even see it. You're so blind. You, you know, we all have blind spots. I've got them. Almost got hit over a Christmas holiday by a truck that didn't look in his rearview mirror and pulled right out in front of me. I was in his blind spot, and it almost cost him and me dearly. I swung over and got out of the way. I think I prayed. Did I, or did, there might have been some other words going through my mind. But blind spots, we've all got them. And religious types 
people like me who think we know the Bible and tell other people about Jesus, he said, man, you guys got to be careful. There's danger that you don't see your own needs until it's too late. Jesus, according to Jesus, he said religion, even religion in his name can be harmful. It's deadly. It has death in it, and it's damnable. And it misleads many. Jesus said, you know, a lot of people are going to come in my name, and they're going to mislead a whole lot of people. And we've seen that. History has borne that out. People being abused, the Bible being quoted, Others suffering under the name, the name of Jesus, used to justify racism, misogyny, sexism, bigotry, injustice, violence, oppression, child abuse, pedophile. And, yeah, man, it's horrible. It, in the name of Christianity, which reminds me that when Jesus was tempted, the devil showed that he knows how to quote the Bible. That's why we need to know the Bible better so that you'll know when the devil's quoting it at you. And not know how to, and you'll know how not to pay attention. Is that right? Is that right? It shouldn't be whatever the preacher feeds me, I will swallow. It should be wherever Jesus leads me, I will follow. And you need to know that. And so you you should be reading your own Bible. You should be studying, you should be opening your own heart and mind. And let Jesus speak to you. The devil knows how to quote the Bible. You need to know when he's trying to mislead and guy and disguise himself to take you down. It can be used in harmful ways. That's why Jesus said, "Watch out! Don't be misled." You know what came to me? The thought that came to me: those little instructions on the prescription container of your medicine. It says, "Warning: Take only as directed." And then it tells you take the right dosage in the right way at the right time. For as long as you're supposed to and not any longer, you know, all those little instructions. When it comes down to medication, following directions is the key to success. Do you understand what I'm saying here? It is the key to success. Take as directed. So the medication will do its job if you follow the doctor's orders. So here's what I want to say. Maybe before we jump to the conclusion that the medicine needs to be thrown out. We should just check with the great physician and see if we're applying it according to directions. And then as I was thinking about that, though religion can be misused and abused to do harm to others, then I thought about this. Well, you know, Jesus said this is a verse I memorized early in my discipleship. Whoever wants to be my disciple, let them deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. This is Jesus speaking again. Now, you know, the only reason anybody took up a cross in Roman life, first century life, was so that they could go die on it. This is the truth. And here Jesus is saying to his followers, following me is dangerous. Following me will be harmful. Even if you do it right, something's going to die. What is it that dies? Well, I'm thinking if you're engaging in being a true Christ follower, what you discover is it's your pride. It's your ego. It's your narcissism that gets smashed. It's your self-interest and your self-absorption that gets exposed. You cannot follow Jesus unless you wear thick hypocrisy and take blinders on. Everybody else can see it. Maybe you don't. 
But I'm telling you, when you get close to the real thing, Jesus, guess what dies? Your ego, your pride. I am crucified with Christ, Paul says. <laughs> so I think Jesus was telling his followers that it's absolutely deadly to follow him. If you're just going to want a good time, don't follow him. He's going to take your sinful nature all the way to the cross and the grave and then introduce you to the good life. G.K. Chesterton once said, the Christian ideal hasn't been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. He was talking about himself, and he was talking about Christians. He was talking about me. He was talking about you. If you're a Christ follower, that's always the temptation. Either you got to fake it because you know that your ego can't take it, and you need Jesus to do a work in you to die to self so then we can rise to new life. What a challenge. But does that mean that Christianity in its essence is flawed and is unfit for human? No. No. And it doesn't mean that the new atheists are going to stop saying that religion is poison or that the Marxists or the communists are going to stop saying that religion is the opiate of the people. That's not going to stop. You know? So what are we supposed to do when the accusations rise up again and wave and wave and we start seeing more and more of this? What are we supposed to do? Well, you know, Paul Paul was a heartfelt Christ follower in the first century, and he was dealing with a pagan culture that was highly slanderous and abusive toward him. And, uh, and I thought, I wonder what Paul would have to offer us into this seething cauldron of pagan culture. This is what Paul writes to the people in Rome. Do this. See if this might assist you in your thinking through do this. Understanding the present hour, the time, that the hour has already come to wake up, wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light, and let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, and not in sexual immorality and debauchery, and not in dissension and jealousy. Hmm. Rather, what am I supposed to do? Clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let Jesus be your wardrobe. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Ah. You know, the time they were living in was all built, the culture they were living in was built around gratifying the desires of the flesh. First century life. The impulses, the feelings of unredeemed human nature. And I'm standing back, maybe you disagree with me on this, but I'm standing back looking at our culture and I'm thinking, you know, I don't see it's much different from that time. Except you add some sophisticated weapons and a whole lot of technology and some pharmaceuticals into it, and you still got people using every avenue trying to gratify the desires of their flesh. Am I wrong? All the more reason we pay attention to Romans 14, verse 16, that says this, Un do not let what you know is good 
be spoken of as evil. Now, what's the armor of light? He said, take off the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light. I got three answers to that question. First is, it's an awareness. It's understand the time you're in. The time of rebellion, time of deception, of contradiction. Understand the time you're in. When good is called evil and evil is called good. And I'm thinking, welcome to postmodernism. We've had, our culture's been full of smoke and mirrors for three generations now. And we've been steeped in it. Rebellion, deception, contradiction. Nothing is what it seems. This is what we're taught. Nothing is what it seems. It's only what we make of it. Um, All truth is relative. You've heard this, right? Perhaps, and it makes, it's like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. That sounds really really smart, except stop for a second. All truth is relative. Doesn't that mean that even the one you just said, as you spoke it as an absolute, all truth is relative. How do you know that? If all truth is relative, then isn't that a self-contradictory statement? Yes, it is. It's irrational. Doesn't stop people from saying it or using it. There are no absolutes, only what we make them to be. Man, that sounds so empowering. You can make your own meaning. You can define your own reality. You know, okay, I'm thinking, okay, well, if that's working so well, then why is everybody so upset that their reality doesn't match my reality, doesn't match their reality, and I thought we were all going to be empowered making our own truth here, and look, we're at each other's throats. What is that? What's going on? If there is no real truth, if there's only perception, then why are we so bothered about it? You thinking with me? You see what I'm trying to say here? I'll tell you why. Because we're moral beings and we're made in the image of a moral God. This is the Bible's truth. This is Jesus' truth. You're made in the image of God. And uh, I think we're seeing relativism collapse, implode in on itself. Under the weight of its own unsustainable lie. Of illogical contradiction. The untruth is being exposed as a sham. And after three generations deep in it, there's a generation that's starting to say, no, that's not right. That's not fair. That's not perception. That's real. And we're seeing new moralisms rise up under a number of different initials that if I were to mention them, you'd recognize them. And moralisms, when they rise up, they're claiming something's not right, and something is right, and something should be put right, and, uh, and so that usually means we have to identify in our political hotbed culture, you've got to identify who got it wrong, which then leads to blame, argue with me in your mind, blame, shame, defame, they don't deserve, they did this, they did, they did, they did. It's all about getting it out, right? See, this is where, and the, as the moralisms rise up in society, they're saying that doesn't work. Justice matters. People matter. The moralisms need somebody to blame and to shame, and the atheists step up and say, ah, religion. They got us into this mess. And if we got rid of that, 
then the mess would leave with it. Paul says, understand the times you're in. Don't just get swept along on the winds or the strength of current. Be aware of the times you're in. Second, armor, readiness. Be prepared. Don't get caught unaware. Don't be caught unprepared. How? Guard your boundaries. Guard your boundaries. You, he says you got to put aside the deeds of darkness, and then you've got to um, put on the armor of light and behave decently. In other words, be on guard. What? Be on guard against that which would cloud your mind and would dull your senses. The way he talks about that, he says carousing and drunkenness. Those cloud minds, those dull senses. Then he says this, that which would hijack your sexuality. Sexuality is a precious treasure and a gift from God. And he said that sexual immorality and debauchery, acting like it really doesn't matter, just go with what you feel, is not going to lead. This is something that needs a guardrail. And then he says, that which brings emotional, relational, and, uh, and personal distress. What is that? Dissension and jealousy. I'm looking at these and it's like popping off the page at me saying, here are three areas of life that benefit from boundaries, Bill. Tell them that. Here they are. Your mental life, your sexual life, and your emotional life. All benefit when the appropriate guardrails are in place so that you can stay healthy. One of the scariest roads I've ever driven more than once, but I'm thinking of one that I was with my son-in-law on just a couple years ago now. Side of a cliff, single, single lane road, no guardrail, steep descent right off, only a single lane road, and we were driving down and coming toward us is an oncoming, another car, oncoming traffic our way. And we had to figure out how are we gonna, what are we going to do here? You're going to try to back this thing up? You're going to... Asked them to back it up, and what we wound up doing, because we were, thank you, Lord, on the inside of the mountain, <laughs> we pulled over really close to the inside, and then we inched, both of us inched our way until the oncoming vehicle was past us. You know what? There are situations in life that benefit from guardrails. There's a reason guardrails were invented. And, and there's a reason Paul says your life can benefit from the appropriate boundaries when you put them in place for your mind, for your body, and for your relationships. That's like armoring up for the light. Do you know what day it is? Be aware. Understand the times you're in. And then know your boundaries. Where are they appropriate? Number one, what goes into your body? That's carousing and drunkenness. What you do with your body, that's sexuality and debauchery. What you feel from your body, that's that emotional dissension and jealousy that makes relationships so tough when it's all coming from unredeemed human nature. And you'll be better prepared to face the downside threat if you're living with the right side guardrails. How do we armor up? Awareness, preparedness, doesn't do much good to be aware of it and just say, oh, well. No, you got to act, be prepared. And then third, what? Christ-likeness. I'm talking to Christ-journey people now. 
Christ-likeness. He says, you take off the deeds of darkness, you put on the armor of light, and none of it is brighter than to clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Wrap yourself up in Jesus. Now, we've already recognized that when some people claim to do that, they're lying, and they're faking it, and it's full of hypocrisy, and Christianity, when it's not applied appropriately, is dangerous and harmful. Jesus said it would be, but when the medicine is taken as directed, and the truth is embraced, and Jesus Christ's grace is is known in the forgiveness of sin, and when Jesus Christ's grace is shown through a human life being transformed, and when people are growing, when it's grown in people that are freely following Christ to model him, what happens then? That's the question. Yes, there have been abuses, and yes, we must make them right, and no, we shouldn't just never look in the rearview mirror and say, well, we weren't there. We didn't do that. Well, we're right here. How can we respond to it? That's what I'm talking about right now. History shows us that much good has come from Christ followers. That's where I want to land. That list historically includes orphanages, adoption for children, hospitals for the sick, schools and universities for learning, homeless shelters, prison reform, fighting against slavery and uh, racism, more about that in another message, lifting up human dignity, the advent and pursuit of science grew out of the Christian worldview, the gift of literacy, Dr. Lyle Jeffrey, professor of English literature in Ottawa, University of Ottawa, he says this, in most of Europe, as in Africa, South America, and in many other parts of the world, the birth of literacy and literature essentially, not accidentally, coincides with the arrival of Christian missionaries. That's how the world became literate. That's how hospitals were born. That's where universities come from. Thank God for Christ followers that were putting on Christ and guarding their minds and watching their bodies and, and leaving a world. If you're interested in more on the contributions of Christianity, I would advise you to check out A Case for Faith by Lee Strobel. There are many books. That's a great one to start with. Um, and speaking of last week, I mentioned that we have a gift for those of you who are going to join us in prayer. I, I want to call it a vision coin that calls us to just say God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven this new year, 2023. That people in our church come from nations all over the world. You know this, right? People in Miami come from all the nations of the world. Miami was just declared by worldpopulationreview.com the most diverse city in the world. Did you know that? So I'm just telling you that to say that if God wants us, God who so loves the world wants us to love his world in Miami. He wants us to love our neighbors. If you love a, na a neighbor in Miami, you love a nation. And so this little coin is going to remind us to be this quality of life givers as we move into this new year, inviting God's will to be done and his kingdom to come on our part of the earth as it is in heaven. God told his prophet to pray for the nation where they were taken into exile. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city where I've carried you. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you will too. I want you to have a prospero año. You know where you get one? Right here. You do it by praying for your neighbor. You want prosperity to come to you? God's, the generosity of God's grace travels through God's people. 
So I want to invite us to daily prayer that God's will be done as we seek to reach out to the nations. And you take claim to your nation of origin and then ask God, what other nation could I add to this as I pray this new year? And then as your nation of origin comes to your mind, I want you to ask God, what could my church family be a part of in serving the nation I was born in? It came up. You can pick up your coin at a table in the breezeway, carry it with you every time you feel it, pray for your nation, and be part of the journey outward. Being part of Christ's church isn't like joining a club where you join it so that you get all these benefits by being a club member that other people don't get. When you join the, the, the church of Jesus Christ, you become part of the mission of God to reach and change the world. So speaking of that, a couple of quick notes. This past year, many of us participate regularly in Feed Miami. Did you know we've given 26 tons of food through Feed Miami 2022? Over 40,000 people were fed at a cost of $100,000 that was our value add to the community at no cost to anybody. It's distributed through DCF, other points of, uh, of distribution. But we want to be part of helping to feed the food under-resourced. And then this last year, we also we refurbished two public schools. We refurbished a not-for-profit. That means we gave it a facelift. We paint it. We organize it. We do landscaping. We did it at One More Child, one of our ministry partners as well, at no cost to them. Now, I'm not patting us on the back for that. I'm saying this is what Jesus, following Jesus does. And remember, our, our question today is, is Christianity harmful? Might harm your wallet if you get close enough to Jesus. Because he'll say, I want you to give so other people can live. Our total contributions in global outreach and local service through talent and time beyond our walls, $607,000, 2022. And over the years, our church has built churches in Rwanda, Haiti, Cuba, schools in Ecuador and Dominican Republic, medical missions repeatedly in India, Nicaragua, Guatemala, Beirut. We've helped people that are economically challenged in the favelas of Brazil. We've been recently doing a scout mission in Argentina. Uh, we have helped refugees in the Middle East. I'm telling you, when Jesus envisioned, what will his people look like in the world? I hope when I stand before him one day and give account for how did I choose to lead Christ's Journey Church, that he'll say, you guys helped women break free from abuse and addiction. You guys <laughs> gave them a life beyond being trafficked. You were there for our young people. You were there for our kids. You were praying peace for the city where I had put you so that prosperity could get to them. And if it's going to get to them, I'm telling you, it's going to get to you in the midst of turmoil. Is Christianity harmful? Is it dangerous? It can be. When it's abused, it hurts people. That's why some people don't ever want to come to church ever again. Because you know why. Because you got hurt too, and yet here you are. God bless you. We got to learn how to be merciful and show healing and practice grace. So it can hurt people. And even when you follow Jesus faithfully and you, you die to self, sometimes that hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. 
But is it so intrinsically evil that it needs to be destroyed? That the world in the future would just be better off the sooner we got rid of it? Well, you'd expect me to say no. And I hope I've given you some reasons so that when you find yourself in a conversation that maybe a friend is wanting to know, you can say, well, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about this? Maybe you can think about this. And then for your personal journey in life, three takeaways. Understand the times we're in. Is this your day to get clearer understanding? What's going on in your world? What's going on in your life? <laughs> Guard your boundaries. Where are your guardrails? Do you have mental guardrails? What gets into your head? What comes through your eyes, your ears? Do you have sexual boundaries? What happens with your body? What goes into your body? What you do with your body? Do you have relational guardrails so that your emotional life can find its way to health and healing? Would you pray with me? What's the Lord saying to you? Then would you lean into it? Because I, I promise you he is wanting to deliver you from something that could cause you harm by drawing near to him. Would you draw near to him now? He's, I, he's not asking you to clean your act up before you, get, before you come to him. He's asking you just come like you are. Let him love you just like you are. And then let him graciously speak truth that can bring freedom right where you are. Maybe somebody needs to say, yes, Holy Spirit, I know that thing you're putting your finger on right now, I feel that. And the next thing you could pray is, so here, have it. I release it so that you could cleanse me and restore me and then strengthen me to engage the battle. Are there some deeds of darkness you need to lay aside? Do it by faith that you might put on Christ and let him clothe you with his own garment of righteousness. And now, friend, perhaps you've been far from God. Maybe you haven't even believed there is a God, or maybe you wound up here somehow today because somebody who cared about you just said, or maybe you, you thought, I wonder if I could start a new year in a new way. What, however you got here, is Jesus saying, I want to love you, and I want to know you. And are you willing to say back, and I do too. The prayer that I prayed years ago to begin my journey was this one. God, if you're real, show me and watch over me tonight. And then I went out to do some self-destructive behavior. Within 24 hours, I was praying this prayer. Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life. 
and make me the person you want me to be. Which of those prayers fits where you are? God, if you're real, show me. Watch over me. Or are you ready for this one? Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Make me the person you would have me be. And if you just prayed that last prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, would you simply raise your hand? Our heads are still bowed just for a moment. But if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me pray for you a blessing, then would you just raise your hand and keep it up briefly? Thank you. I'm seeing hands on the aisle over here to my left. One, two, three, four, five. God bless you. Six. Amen. Amen. And then over to my right. All right, over to the wall. God bless you. And then in the back, right on the aisle. Amen. And again, to my left on the aisle, God bless you. Friends, when you hear me calling these out, I I know that you're joining me in prayer of blessing for every person, aren't you? If you're joining us online, just click right there in in the chat. I prayed with Bill. Lord Jesus, for every person who by uplifted hand is saying, forgive my sins, come into my life, and lead me in the way you would have me become. We pray your blessing today, the blessing of your peace, of your presence, of your joy, and now help us to make the journey together as we ask this in your name. Amen.